Hello, and welcome to episode 128 of the Mo Money Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Morehouse. Welcome, and uh, welcome to another listener series episode. Uh, For this episode, I am interviewing Tracy Ma, who... Man, she's got her stuff together and she uh, really talks to me and shares some of her insight uh, into real estate investing, something that I'm very curious about um, and beyond me owning my own you know, townhouse with my husband. That's pretty much as much as I've done in terms of real estate investing. And I kind of did some air quotes there. Um, but she has you know, a great, great story that I know you're going to love. Um, but if you're listening right now and you're wondering how you can get involved in part of my listener series. Super simple. Go to the show notes, jessicmorehouse.com slash 128. And I will put some more information in there on how to get in touch with me to uh, get on the show with me. Uh, Now, before I get to this awesome, awesome interview with Tracy for the show, I uh, first have a few words about this episode's sponsor. Support for this episode comes from Credit Card Genius, the only tool that compares over 50 features of 150 Canadian credit cards using math-based ratings and rankings that respond to your needs instantly. Now you can get rewarded faster without all the headache. Visit creditcardgenius.ca to learn more. Once again, that's creditcardgenius.ca. Thanks, Tracy, for joining me on the show. I'm excited to chat with you. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> um, so thanks for emailing me with uh, your story. It is quite the story. Um, and you're a Vancouverite as well. <laughs> Yes, formerly Vancouverite. Former Vancouverite, just like me, yes. former Vancouverite. Right, but I'm really a prairie girl from Regina, Saskatchewan. Oh, are so you? I've been, yeah, yeah, I'm like all across Canada. How about that? Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I've actually been to Regina. Oh, wait, have oh, I? have you? I think wow. I have. Yes, I have. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, did I? I definitely went to Saskatoon. I've been to uh, Regina, yeah. And I also went to... Oh, I can't remember what the name of the town is, but there's, oh, yeah, it escapes me. But there's this little town with this uh, really, Yorkton. I've been to Yorkton before. Oh, Yeah, wow. there's actually a well-known film festival. The Yorkton Film Festival happens every year there. And I went there several years ago, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, oh, I know. That's so cool. That was, is so cool. Yeah. That should be on the tourism <laughs> for Saskatchewan. I, I didn't know people would travel all the way to Yorkton I for did. this festival. <laughs> I oh, did. cool. Oh, yeah, I gotta tell. I have to tell my friends about this because I don't think they know, and they're all in Regina. <laughs> oh, it was like w- one of the funnest like trips I've ever been, and I'll be honest, it was awesome. Oh my, I'm going back to Regina. I need to go check this out. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, so I would love, 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 love to uh, hear more about your story from basically. You know, you have dealt with a lot to get where you are now, which is, you know, you're an entrepreneur with a bunch of rental properties making you passive income, which is kind of like the dream, my dream, (laughs) lots of people's dream to be able to kind of, you know, have enough wealth that you can choose really what you want to do in life instead of being like chained to maybe a job that pays your bills, but you're not necessarily doing what you want to do. So I would love to kind of start from the beginning. Um, and you did mention you are a prairie girl and you kind of grew up in a rough neighborhood. I would love to kind of know what that means in Regina <laughs> and okay. what, and uh, what, what did those kind of early years look like for you? Well, so, you know, um, 
You're right. I did grow up in a very rough neighborhood. But looking back, I really think that all these circumstances helped me get me to where I am. So I started out, you know, being a prairie girl from Regina, Saskatchewan. I grew up in the east side of Regina, which Mm -hmm. is a pretty, I would say, rough neighborhood, like um, compared to like where I'm living right Mm -hmm. now. And during that time in high school and in all throughout elementary, I battled racism. But really, mm. you know, looking back, it just it just added to the adversity I faced, and then just helped build my character. Mm-hmm. And um, so during that time, I, I you know went through high school like everyone else, and then I, I started you know having a part time job. And then uh, along the way, I went to university, and that's when I started accumulating debt. So the mm-hmm. funny thing is, I went to university with a scholarship, like a f- couple, I think few, three, two, three scholarships. So I should have had all my school paid for. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I uh, didn't get my 80% average in first year engineering. Mm-hmm. So I lost one of the big scholarships. And then after that, I had to start having student loans to uh, get me through university because um, being, being, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon. Mm -hmm. I had, I, you know, I came from like a typical first generation immigrants where my parents didn't have a lot of money and I learned the value of money really young Mm -hmm. in life. And so I accumulated a pile of debt in university and I was living in the most expensive city, which is Vancouver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. so, <laughs> yeah. So to make through, to make it through, I had to share a queen bed with my cousin. So mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. a family of six people living in a three-bedroom apartment. Wow. Plus me. And I didn't get my own room. I slept in the same bed with my cousin. Mm-hmm. And then I commuted to uh, UBC for mm-hmm. an hour to get to school. I came back for an hour. So anyways, that just took up a ton of time. So the key thing is, is I think all this is just adding up to this, you know, building my character. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happens, I graduated from university, had mm-hmm. this pile of debt, and then I, yeah, so I graduated as an engineer. So you'd think, mm-hmm. yay, I get to like pay off my debt as yeah. an engineer. But the thing is, I um, I was very fortunate. I got three three job offers right from I gra- when I graduate. But the thing is, I didn't choose the highest paying salary. In fact, mm-hmm. I chose the lowest paying salary out of the three offers because I chose a job that would gain me the biggest skill sets. And that was the most interesting job. Mm-hmm. So I took the rough road, I took the lower paying job. And then what happened is because I really didn't like the debt, I worked, I worked two other jobs uh, while as being an engineer. So, you know, thing is, I've been juggling a pile of work all through high school and university, I juggled Mm -hmm. a job in university. So it just seemed like, why not? Like, yeah, hey, what's I, the difference? You've kind of been used difference? to it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're used to it. Exactly. So I worked as an engineer, as a model, and as a tutor. And Those are interesting. <laughs> That's an interesting trifecta of jobs. I, yes. <laughs> It, it was not like forced, like, it's just like, hey, uh, I don't know, it just, I had a lot of interests in a lot of different things. So it turns out that um, I, I, anyways, it's like more like, oh, I want a photo shoot at a, as a, a, in a, in a contest. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it just turned out I can make money as a model. And yeah. then, 
So anyways, I just leveraged the opportunities I got and then started accumulating the money and paid off my debt really quickly. And so, but I realized like after working like 70 hour work weeks for two years, it was really, really getting, um, it's actually impacting my health. Mm -hmm. And I started um, getting, I had headaches every single day and my heart palpitations. So I realized I I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't work the 70 hour work week. So I said, what can I do? with the money and make it work harder for me. So that's when I realized I can't, I I stopped, I quit my two other jobs. Basically I didn't, Mm -hmm. once I paid off my debt, I didn't, I ended up um, not tutoring anymore, not becoming, not end up working as Mm -hmm. a model. Mm -hmm. And then I focused just on my day job and then start saving and then investing real estate. So Mm -hmm. that was my big side hustle at night. I became a real estate investor. And along the way, um, I built a multi-million dollar portfolio across Canada while having starting a family with twins. And oh my gosh, <laughs> you're making me feel really lazy. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, you know what? I just said, look, I, it seems a, like a lot. But if yeah. you think back, you know, if you high school, you had a part-time job. Yeah. In university, you had a part-time job. And mm-hmm. you studied probably like hell in engin- mm-hmm. like or in school, right? Mm-hmm. So then if you kept up with that pace, yeah. just continued on that, yeah. what would be the difference? So that's how I that's felt. That's true. Mm-hmm. <sighs> What I'm so curious. So what got you interested in like, you know, I obviously understand you're like, how do I make my money work for me instead of me just working for the money all the time? I totally get that. Why did you get really interested in real estate investing? And how did you start that? Like, how did you start learning how to do that? Because I think that's always kind of an interesting thing. Lots of people have different ways. There's lots of different conferences and and programs. How did you start um, learning about how to invest in real estate properly? So the the key thing was I didn't just jump into real estate investing. I guess um, as part of the I, I'm Chinese, so mm-hmm. part of the Chinese culture, they're heavy into like saying real estate, real estate. Right. Like they, it's I think it's part of the culture mm-hmm. that you know. Um, I didn't think of stocks uh, when I thought of investing. I thought of real estate because that's the culture right. I was brought up in. Secondly. Um, in terms of investing, the interest in investing actually started in high school oh. and. What's funny is that um, I didn't know what to do in high school like everyone else. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was going to become an engineer. So I was really scared. And I tried every class possible thinking, okay, well, can I be a psychologist? So I took a psychology class. Can I become a lawyer? So I took a law class. And and then um, I took an economics class because I said, I don't know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe this might be helpful. So in this economics class in um, grade 11, there was a Everyone was given $100,000 of fake money mm-hmm. to to invest in stocks. And during that time, I lost a ton of fake money. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my this is like the biggest, like one of the pivotal, pivotal moments in my life was that my economics teacher taught us how to, in, how to trade in stocks, how to buy stocks, how to invest in stocks. Mm-hmm. And um, through that process, of course, typical like me, I'm so, such a cheapskate, I... <laughs> bought penny stocks and I lost a ton of money. But the thing is, I, I, I knew how to interpret, I knew what all these different, you know, um, price per earnings and all those little, uh, the stocks ticker prices. So I got used to just um, knowing about stocks. And then I continued actually investing stocks when I was in university. Mm-hmm. And then um, I then I realized, well, I wasn't making as not much money as I want to right. or as I could. And that's when I, I, I grew, I, my comfort level just grew into real estate and mm-hmm. it's part of the culture to invest in real estate. And so to gain knowledge, I just talked to my 
um, people I knew who invested in real estate. I read a ton of books and then I took eventually then I um, got a coach Mm -hmm. to get me um, because it's it's a high knowledge area uh, in terms of investing in real estate because there is a lot of things you need to know. You can't Mm -hmm. um, um, a really good way to actually think I was just thinking like what's the easiest way for someone to invest in real estate is like Mm -hmm. if you buy your own house Mm -hmm. think about having a a suite like a separate apartment and that way um, that would increase, you know, your your experience with rental properties because you're doing it in your own house with an apartment suite. So by trial and error, then you're like, you increase your comfort zone, then you might scale up and say, oh, I can buy other rental properties. I know how this works. I mm-hmm. read books or I got a coach. So anyways, that's how I actually started was um, also having a place where I had a separate suite too. Oh, that's interesting. I like mm-hmm. that kind of starting small and then just kind of you know, growing and growing. Mm. And yeah, one of the reasons I think we, me and my husband bought a place because we do eventually want to kind of, you know, grow our real estate portfolio and and add other properties. It's like, I don't want to own a rental property until I own my own home and know what that's all about and everything that goes into it. Because yeah, you can lose a lot of money when you invest in real estate and you don't know what you're doing or, you know, you got to be careful. For sure. And um, also part of it, I, I was just thinking back, like what got me into real estate It's also my just seeing my family. Um, they were they were poor. They didn't mm-hmm. like they were barely making over minimum wage. But the funny thing was is that this uh, particularly my great aunt, she's in Vancouver. She was a beggar when she was in China. Um, oh, wow. She she lost all her. She was re formerly rich she lost mm-hmm. all her wealth because of the change in government and then she's a beggar in China somehow she made her trek all the way to Canada she scrimped and saved and started buying a, uh, she bought her own home and it had an apartment suite and I remember visiting her way back when I was 12 years old and I remember saying wow she's she's got an apartment suite she's uh mm-hmm. I mean I, I thought maybe it's to make ends meet but right. really she was scaling from then there. Mm-hmm. She used that and she bought another property and then another property. I just saw that wow. happen to her and she didn't make a lot of money and actually very little money, but mm-hmm. she somehow made it through. And so now she's a, you know, millionaire and mm-hmm. multimillionaire in Vancouver. And uh, so uh, anyways, that, that helps also open the doors for me, just seeing other people do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that didn't start off being rich. And I think that's like another conception or a misconception going on right now where, you know, a lot of the people that are, you know, making their wealth from real estate is because they already had wealth to begin with. And so, because I mean, it is especially like if you're to invest in real estate in Vancouver, I mean, you have to already be a millionaire, basically. So that's another Mm -hmm. question I'd have. Where did you decide to start investing in real estate? Was it in Vancouver or did you look at other areas? Um, I actually, when I was in Vancouver, I just literally paid off my debts. And then um, I was, when I, um, I, I got engaged. So then my husband basically like brought me, forced me over to Ottawa because <laughs> I was engaged. And uh, the eye opener was that Ottawa price is obviously a big difference yeah, from Vancouver. Sure. And I, right. And that's where the big eye opener was for me because I saw in Vancouver, yeah, you can own a property, but the numbers don't work out very well. Like mm-hmm. you, you buy a $600,000 apartment, mm-hmm. but how are you going to get like uh, $5,000 a month in rent exactly. to cover the expenses and give you some cash at the end of the day, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Thing is in Ottawa, the prices are much lower. So that's where I started was in Ottawa. But the key thing is that uh, as I 
scaled in Ottawa, I also helped my brother actually bought his condo in Vancouver, I think five years after um, buying my own rental property. So I have a, an investment property in Vancouver and I just took opportunity where there was a dip in the market. Mm-hmm. So in Vancouver, there was one point, it was during the financial crisis where mm-hmm. There was apartments going in, one bedrooms for just barely over $100,000 in downtown Vancouver. So, right, I know. (laughs) I can't comment on the condo fees. It might have been quite a bit. But the key is it was there was a dip in that market. So my I got my brother to buy. I bought the my con Mm -hmm. the condo for my brother because of that dip. So it's realizing opportunity. It's some, you know, it's just like there's dips in the stock market, you pick up, say, more Apple stock or whatever, Mm because you see the price drop, then you take advantage of that. So um, hope that helps you. (laughs) Yeah. So so you started when you were in your uh, later 20s, investing Mm -hmm. in real estate. And how many like, like, how often did you add to kind of your rental property portfolio? And like, how large did it grow? And what are your kind of major plans? (sighs) So I had this ambitious goal where I said, I well, I don't think it's ambitious actually, <laughs> compared to other other real estate investors out there. I, I was I was wanting to buy I want to buy one a year. Mm-hmm. So that I'm does sound years, ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm ten years into it now. Mm-hmm. And I have um I keep forgetting the number, but I've thir- I've thirteen, mm-hmm. three of which I manage for my family. So that's part of me giving back to my family mm-hmm. is that they they didn't have a lot of money growing up mm-hmm. and they brought me over to Canada. So now I've helped them buy real estate and manage it for them for free now. So I have 10 of my own, three of which are not mine. I mean, mm-hmm. sorry, I have 13, three mm-hmm. of which are not mine. I manage for my family. So yes, I mean, I don't know. I guess I met my goal. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't um, like, I didn't save like I, the first few years I saved, but then I used equity to buy the other properties. I did joint ventures. I did a lot of creative strategies where I moved in the home and then moved out. Mm-hmm. And that home, I still kept I still kept the last home. I rented it out. So I did a lot of like little creative strategies. And I have supplemental income from having an apartment suite in my own home. And so that I kind of I consider that as a faucet. Like mm-hmm. I turn on the off faucet if I want extra income from my apartment or turn off because I just want that space back. Mm-hmm. So with that, that's where I'm at right now. In terms of great future plans, I'm planning to actually consolidate my portfolio now. So now that I've grown my wealth, mm-hmm. now I want to pay down the debts, pay down the mortgages. Right. So then I get increased my cash flow. So then I could take longer breaks from my career. So my career and by day, I'm a project management consultant. I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I work, I work, I have my own company, but I also want to take six months off in the year. So, yeah. or eight months off. So I'm, I'm able to do that. And I want to just decrease my risk in, and by consolidating and make it a smaller portfolio now. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Yeah, that is kind of another thing I was thinking is like, when you do have so many properties, there is the risk of if something happens, you have all of these mortgages that you're tied to. Yeah. So I guess you just have to like constantly monitor what's going on in the market and make decisions um, that will make sure that you're always going to be afloat. Right. Yes. And I, I, I evaluated like um, the loan to value mean like what's the value of my rental or all my p- properties versus the debt 
against it and mm-hmm. I'm at um, 50% loan to value. So meaning like I'd have to lose 50% mm-hmm. of all the entire portfolio to like break even and pay off my mortgages right now. So I'm in the safe zone, mm-hmm. very much in the safe zone. Um, you know, banks o- will only loan you like 80% loan to value. So 80% of your purchase price is what they will loan to you. So mm-hmm. I'm at a point where I have enough val- equity in the rental properties. I'm to survive a big economic downturn and keep my rental properties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then I just, I'm at a point where, you know, there is a situation where you want to grow your income, grow your wealth. And then if, if you don't need to take more risks, then take it off the table. So yeah. consolidate, that's where I'm at. I'm just, I'm starting to uh, reduce my risks right now. And by consolidating, do you mean selling some of those properties to pay for some of the properties? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> exactly. So to pay it off. So I want to be debt free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I want to be. So right now, um, I still have my own mortgage in my home. Mm-hmm. I have um, a, a home equity line of credit. And that is basically what's used to pay um, the down payment. So some of my properties, but with selling two properties, I would wipe out my own mortgage and the HELOC right now. Oh, wow. So it's a matter of just putting the time and making sh- and, and, and getting the properties marketed and sold right now, which I haven't put the time into it. Um, and, and then that way, then I know, like, if I want to take another year off, then I will and I can, right, without, even if my husband lost his job, like, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just on a very, I want my big security blanket right now, mm-hmm. especially, I didn't consider all this stuff when, before I had depend, before I had my kids, but now that I have my kids, I'm just playing it more safe. Yeah, no, definitely. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering since you uh, do own 13 properties and you've been doing this for a number of years, uh, (laughs) what have you learned about like investing in real estate that you didn't know when you first started? Like has like there been quite the curve and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did some of those things. Yes, there's been a lot. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say, like uh, you read a lot of books, you could take a coaching course, you could be mentored, and everything. Thing is, you're gonna you're gonna just have to learn through partly through the school life. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that I really learned dearly was that a lot of people stress about making the numbers work. So yeah. yes, the, of course the numbers work, meaning that. You got to collect enough rental income to cover your property taxes, to cover your your mortgage, to cover maintenance fees, to cover, um, you know, expenses and um, that kind of thing. But the thing is, and, and then you, I want to buy a place in a great location. But the thing is, uh, to make the numbers work, sometimes you have to have a lot of tenants. Right. And that's the key. That was that was a big learning curve for me because my second investment property was a multi-unit property. I had mm-hmm. three three little apartments, a triplex, mm-hmm. three little apartments in one house. The numbers worked magically. It was cash flowing. It was uh, in a perfect location. But I didn't. I underestimated the time commitment involved. Right. Although the numbers worked, and you could read a ton of blogs say, "Got to make sure cash flow, cash flow is king for sure. Cash flow is mm-hmm. king." But at the same time, you got to think of tenants as also m- children. The more children you have, the more chaos there could be. And so, I bought this rental property as my second investment property. I had how many tenants? Three, four, five, six tenants mm-hmm. um, in that one house, and it involved. Lots of like door of doors being broken down, oh. and I had a big water leak that resulted in a ninety thousand dollar damage. Thank God it was paid by insurance, and that was my first year like 
not having a property manager. <laughs> so I learned a ton that, yes, the numbers worked out. But in the end, I didn't realize that having more tenants also meant just more more time commitment. Mm-hmm. Even if you in, in even after having a property manager for that unit, it's still it's still oversight from your end. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing is um, I would I would definitely really, really look at how much time do you honestly have available before you buy a rental property like you want to choose it so that it meets your lifestyle and um and then then the other thing was um always assess you know risk before reward so Mm -hmm. conduct your due diligence so you can get uh you could look for a real estate agent that specializes in real estate but don't rely on everything from them that they might give you a performa sheet, which would calculate all the magical numbers, but you got to do your own due diligence. So you got to check out, is that the rental income you really can get? Yeah. Is that the property taxes you really will be paying? You have to conduct your due diligence. So assess your own risk. Your risk tolerance is not the same risk tolerance that that real estate agent has. Yeah. And and so you got to qualify. Every, every parental property, you got to qualify from that perspective. And you have to... Always reflect, how is this going to change my lifestyle? And are you okay having it mm-hmm. getting in? It's going to impact your lifestyle somehow. Mm-hmm. Now, did you, it's funny, just like, you know, thinking back to where we started in this conversation mm-hmm. of you being this prairie girl in a rough neighborhood to where you are now. Did you ever like have these aspirations when you were younger of making it in this capacity? Or is this kind of just like, wow, I can't believe I did this? Um, I can't believe I did this. <laughs> I am not the typical, uh, I would say if you had a stereotype of Chinese girl, I am not that typical Chinese girl. I, <laughs> I, uh, I actually almost had to go to special school. I, I, like, like, I mean, like I failed a lot of exams mm-hmm. when I was young and I, uh, I played hooky in, when I was in elementary, I got kicked out of preschool. Uh, so I wasn't preschool. <laughs> I didn't know you can get kicked out. <laughs> Oh, yes. I, yeah, you can get kicked out. <laughs> so, I, my parents had to beg me to be in back into preschool, beg the teacher. So they, oh. they, they, my parents remind me this all the time. So <laughs> I never want to grow up. When I remember in grade two, never want to grow up. Like, that sucks. Growing up means more responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But the one of the biggest pivotal moments of my life was when I was grade six, I... I don't know why I asked my parents, but I said, hey, um, mom and dad, do you have any money for school, for you, mm-hmm. for university? And they said no to me. So mm-hmm. that was when a big, like, I don't know, brick hit me. Like, I thought, wow, I have no money for school. How am I going to find that money? I, I don't, I need to go to university. I, I can't be a dishwasher. Like, I, cause I yeah. was working. I was working as a, in a restaurant for my aunt as a dishwasher at that time. And I said, I don't want to end up doing this for the rest of my life. So I decided to just change my ways and change, start working hard. So that studying, actually started studying, going to school and, and do my exams. And turns out I, I ended up getting a scholarship. And that was one of my key goals was to get a scholarship to pay for school. So I had no big aspirations saying I'm going to be a real estate person and own tons of stocks and all that. No, I just mm-hmm. thought it was more of a survival instinct for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then also like I had a, a coworker um, who gave me some words of wisdom was he, when he was, he was one of the first guys I knew who got a full-time engineering job. Mm-hmm. He was a couple years older than me. He said that 
he started um, making some money. And as he got raises, he never changed his lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that was that was key for me because I said, wow, so you got raises, but you never consumed more. You just maintain your lifestyle and you just start keeping more of your money by saving more. So anyways, those are the kind of key habits I, I create, I've learned and also uh uh, again, coming from um, going through economics, learning mm-hmm. how to invest in stocks. It's just a lot of little things that added up in my life that got me here. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I want to touch on before I let you go is uh, in your email, you uh, mentioned that you wanted to kind of preface that you don't necessarily feel or, or see that owning your own home should be viewed as an investment, which I think a lot of people, that's why they buy their own home to live in is they think, mm-hmm. oh, I'm investing for my future, even though, yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree with you because you know, the whole, uh, you know, thought process of like, well, I don't want to, you know, continue to throw my money away on rent, I'd rather own. What are your thoughts on like, why do you have this um, kind of opinion about home ownership and living in your own home? Well, I would say that um, it's because when you buy your own home, you become emotional. Mm -hmm. When you buy rental property, it's more of an unemotional purchase. So, coming at her from the school of life of having my own home is that you inject a lot more money into your own home. You want to make the kitchen nicer. You want to make the exterior nicer. Mm-hmm. You want to make your sidewalks nicer. So you end up injecting so much money into your own home that your return on your investment is, is from is, is actually you've, you made, you know, you're just relying on appreciation. Mm-hmm. Um, on your on your own home. While if you bought a rental property, you have another tenant paying down the mortgage. And then also you're getting collecting a bit of cash flow every month from that tenant. And you're also gaining from appreciation if it does happen. Um, I think a lot of cities, cities does happen, but I'm just saying that that's not a reliable factor. But so there's three ways of making mo- making income when you buy a rental property. But if you buy your own home, you're relying on appreciation mm-hmm. and you because mm-hmm. you are the one paying the mortgage. And also you probably put in way bigger down payment on your own home because, again, like I said, you put in a lot of monies painting and changing the flooring and changing the kitchen and you're not going to get all that money you may not get all that money back is Mm -hmm. what i'm saying yeah Mm -hmm. i agree which is i think part of the reason why i'm so hesitant to do all the projects i want to do in our home (laughs) so i'm like we could redo the kitchen we could redo the bathroom but do we need to well let's just wait until things start to break down and things start to look really bad then we'll do it (laughs) yes i know i know it's hard though it's hard (laughs) yes yes of course but you could do little things that keep you happy exactly fresh coat of paint actually does a world of difference i've oh no i know those yeah. are that's easy stuff. I'm just saying, like um, spending mm-hmm. thirty thousand dollars on hardwood flooring. Yeah, a lot of people do that, I or know. they spend ninety thousand dollars in a brand new kitchen or a brand new basement. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just you know, the guys, because it's an emotional thing. It it's is. your own it is. home, right? You could go overboard. <laughs> I know. And I, I never really understood that until I bought my own home because before I just live in rentals and I never really had that much of an attachment. I always felt like it was temporary. But now that I own my own place, it feels like it's my baby. <laughs> of course. And uh, so that's why I stress like, hey, if you can free up some space, meaning um, I say mm-hmm. one of the smartest ways to get into real estate is buying a house with a, an apartment that you can mm-hmm. rent out because then, then you have some tenants another person who could help you pay down your mortgage 
or you could have no mortgage, make, meaning you don't have to make any mortgage payments because you have a tenant in your, this apartment that's paying your mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, that's a, a really simple way of getting into real estate. One of the smartest ways, but again, comes with your lifestyle. Do you want to lose that space? Is there a security issue because you mm-hmm. find to have kids? So you got to evaluate all your options. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So do you, uh, I know you, your email is financialnirvanamama.com. Do right. you write about your uh, financial journey as well? I do. I, <laughs> I'm this sharing. I need, I feel like just have to contribute back because I read so many books. I read mm. so many blogs. I'm like, I'm, I'm so selfish with my knowledge. So, I mean, like taking the knowledge. So I want to bring, bring out my knowledge. So I started this website three years ago. It's about creating wealth. Um, a building lifestyle. So it is my journey trying to reach financial nirvana. And, mm-hmm. and I'm a mama, so that's why it's called <laughs> financial nirvana mama. And it does share actionable tips, lots of um, my school life experiences, uh, investing in real estate. I share the good, the bad, and the ugly because I really want to be very transparent of my journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel a lot of people aren't. There's a lot of gurus who yep. sell, hey, this is my $20,000 coaching course. Mm-hmm. Uh, take it for six weeks and buy 6000 I don't know, like, I'm six, they'll, they'll encourage yeah. you to buy as much real estate as possible without realizing that, you know, they don't really, I, I think that the big stress factor is that they don't, um, they, a lot of times it's for you to figure out mm-hmm. if you want to spend all that time because it could, yeah. it, you end up being owned by those rental properties yeah. <laughs> versus you owning them. I, I, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense. No, it does. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I think uh, uh, now I have the bug again to you know start doing some more research oh, on maybe possibly fun. buying our, a second property. Well, read my blog. There's I will. Lots of stuff about <laughs> it, and uh, you might get just keep. I will, and I share a lot of interviews of other people who've done it, who are, um, you know, just starting out and who have kids. I, I'm sharing like real life experiences from other people who've done this. Awesome. So, um, just to you know, help other people. And that was episode 128 of the Mobini podcast. And uh, that was an interview with Tracy Ma for my listener series. And if you would like to get involved uh, in part of my listener series, super easy to do. Just go to the show notes at jessicamorehouse.com slash 128 for more info on how you can submit yourself to be part of my listener series and chat with me for an episode and share your story with the world. It'll be fun. I promise. I promise. Um, and also, so uh, first, before I get to some other things that I want to share with you, uh, is some words about this episode's fabulous, fabulous sponsor. A big thank you to Credit Card Genius for supporting the Mo Money podcast. If you're not aware, they are the only tool that compares over 50 features of 150 Canadian credit cards by using math-based ratings and rankings that respond to your needs instantly. Now you can get rewarded faster without all the headache. If you want to find the best credit card for you, make sure to check out creditcardgenius.ca to learn more. Once again, visit creditcardgenius.ca to learn more. 
Once again, this is episode 128, so check out the show notes. Uh, and also hit me up if you want to be part of my listener series. Uh, another great place that you should go besides the show notes is uh, my Facebook group. If you're not aware, I have a Facebook group. It's awesome. There's over a thousand people in there, new people trickling in every single day. And really what it is is a support group. I wanted to create a positive, non-judgmental online space where people can ask questions about money. There's no dumb questions help each other, get some advice, see what other people are doing with their money and investing and saving and budgeting and all this great stuff. So make sure if you want to be part of this awesome uh, online community, you can do so at, uh, well, just go to facebook.com slash groups slash money life balance. It's called the money life balance community. And uh, we're always looking for new, awesome, positive members. And if you're listening to my show, you totally fit the bill. So I hope you decide to join us in the group. I also do my book club in the group where we uh, read a book together. Uh, well, not like physically together, obviously not with one big book, but you you know you get a, you get what I'm saying. Uh, we uh, interview the uh, through a Facebook Live the author of the book, and I'll talk about the book, ask questions to the author, and have a good old time, and uh, you know just get smarter about uh, managing our money. So I hope you take this opportunity to join us. Uh, but otherwise, I will see you back here next week uh, for a brand new episode of the Momony Podcast. I will see you next time. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.